Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We're in a series here called This Is What We Do and we actually are landing that series today. So if you missed a little bit of it, I apologize. You can catch up if you want at our website, lifechange.org.za. But uh, what, what the whole series, the essence of the series is saying every family has their certain rhythms and habits that they just do. I, I mentioned last week, I said my family every, every morning would wake up and my dad would, would call the family together. At six o'clock, we would pray together every morning. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. It was irritating when my friends at school tell me they slept until seven and I had to be up at six. I didn't get it and I kicked and fussed against it. But as the year, and I'd say, Dad, why do we do this? You'd say, Gabe, this is just what we do. It's the Phillips family. It's what, what we do. And, and, and it's an amazing thing that to deposit God in there and, and with faith. Now that's something my family does. We wake up early, not because of an alarm clock, but because of Olivia Grace. And uh, we pray. <laughs> oh, how we pray. But uh, no, but we pray. We pray together every morning as a family. And I just I thank God that uh, even just as cycle breakers, you know, just that God does stuff and, we, and, and, and He puts things in families that become habits and, and not religious habits, but actually things that bring life. This is what we do. And, uh, and I want to say we are no different as life changes here, in particular Milneton. And I want to say that I'm so proud to be a part of this family. I'm so proud to be a part of this church family. I'm so, it's a privilege for me to be able to worship, to be able to to stand around, look around at the stories and the people that God is bringing together. And I just want to say thank you for being an incredible family. I just see the, the rallying of, of people when people are sick, loving on people, looking after people, uh, providing meals, being generous, uh, just giving things away, stepping in the gap. And, and I just want to say this is an incredible family to be a part of. If you're looking for a family to join, this is a good home. I'm a little bit biased, but I think this is the best one. Just a little bit biased. But anyway, um, but I think the emphasis of this series, though, is this is a family series, saying there's one element that we want to say, this is what we do, this is who we are, this is what we want to be known for in our city and in our area and our lives, is that we are radically generous people. Amen, Gabe. Sorry, I was just encouraging myself. Thank you, whoever that was. Uh, this is who we are. If you didn't know that, this is who we are. This is what we do. We are generous. We do generosity. Why do I say this? Because the scriptures are very clear. Jesus, in, in the scriptures, if you look at the whole spectrum of scripture, the word believe is said 272 times. The word pray is said 371 times. The word love is said 714 times. The word give is said 2,162 times. More than heaven and hell combined, Jesus spoke about giving financially Wow. Now, everything in us wants to recoil. Everything in us wants to go hold on to the wallets. It's another preacher making an appeal. Don't worry. We've taken up the tithes and offerings. <laughs> They're already gone. I'm not here to do anything of that sort. I'm here to put something on us as a people for our benefit and for our city's benefit, that we are a radically generous people. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here because I know as I look out, there are a lot of people who are already doing this, but I believe God is so much more for us. And that I'm excited to do that this, this morning. So just to bring us up to speed, if you have been uh, away or under a rock or weren't paying attention last week, the whole theme of the series is imagine there's a, a rope stretching from that side to this side of this, of this hall. And it's a tug of war type thing. We've got on this side of the rope, our desire to be generous. Because if I ask you all who desires to be generous, I, I would imagine not one hand would, would not go up. 
We all want to be generous. How do I know that? Because I've got a grandma who has promised me for year after year after year that when she wins the lottery, she's giving me half of it. I don't know what a 96-year-old is going to do with the other half of it, but I tell you, she says she's giving me half. Because in all of us, there's a desire to be generous. It's not a bad desire. It's a God-given desire. We want to be generous. I want to be generous. I want to be known as that. But on the other side of this tug of war, uh, unfortunately, is our sinful nature. It's, it's things called fears. But what if there's not enough for me? What if there's not enough for next month? What if, what if, what if some uh, a tragedy happens? Do I, I need to be careful with that. And we call this thing called justification. But I worked hard for it. I deserve this. And another thing just called plain right selfishness. I need a bigger TV. No, you just need to sit closer to it. Proverbs 11 verse 24 says this, The world of the generous gets bigger and bigger, while the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Not my words, not a clever tweet, the scriptures. Generous, the world gets bigger. Stingy, gets smaller. And we were saying this series, three weeks of just preaching into this, we're going to put this in our hearts, is saying the aim of this is we want to break this wrestle. I want to be generous, but I just can't. Because of my lack, because of my heart, because of uh, I feel people don't deserve it. We want to break that wrestle. And we want to say in that wrestle comes a lot of things. Not just a breaking of uh, trying to get, release people to be generous. Because we believe that is the, generosity is the beginning and the end in this discussion. Because we want to destroy anxiety when it comes to finances. Too many people are anxious and have a knot in their stomach around the, the middle of the month because how am I going to make it to the end of the, the month? And we believe that the world of the generous gets bigger, not smaller. And we want to go against anxiety, fear, and lack in the area of finances. And according to Scripture, as I read the Bible, the weapon to attack anxiety, fear, and lack is generosity. That's the weapon that the scriptures give us. If you want to go against anxiety in this area, lack, if you seem to never quite make it, the way to do it, Jesus says is be generous. Be generous, you'll become rich. That's what the scripture says in some areas. And then I'll open that up a little bit here. But I want to say we've had the cycle very quickly. This is the cycle that we say that we get stuck on. Uh, sometimes on the left is this, and this, this cycle that, that is a survivor mentality. And we all have it at some level where we consume and because we've consumed too much and we don't feel there's enough left for the month, we start to fear and we start to lack. We don't have enough. So what do we do is then we start to fear and we start to hold batten down the hatches. Let's just keep things tight here. As Trevor Noah would say, keep it here, keep it here, keep it here. And, and, and we just get smaller and smaller and we're obsessed with how much of our banking balance is and is it up or is it down? And we just get caught in the survivor cycle. We never quite get to break out of. And that's not how we're supposed to live. I want to tell you, sons live like this. Sons and daughters of God live like this. The cycle is that God says, you, as you give, He multiplies. And as He multiplies, you're going, that's incredible. I can't believe God would do that. So your faith grows, so you do it again. And that is supposed to be the cycle, not just a once-off thing, not just a, the Christmas box moment. All right, fine, you've done, I'm going to give some money out at Christmas. No, this is supposed to be the lifestyle. This is what we do. Now I want to help convince us and put courage in us. So a quick recap of last week, the three points we landed on are going to be on the screen now. As I uh, just cut off at the top, I'll tell you. Number one says, this is what we do. Three how-tos according to Scripture is that we give consistently. 
And we said that actually consistency leads to uh, a robust generosity, the ability to do it sporadically. And when, the, when people, too many people live, live on this thing of, I'll give when, when, I, when the Spirit leads, or I'll give when I see there's need. Can I tell you, it's hard to develop that muscle. You won't be able to do it until you've developed the muscle of giving. The Scripture calls us to give consistently because He says actually we give sacrificially, not out of surplus. My argument last week was saying too often we'll say, I'll see how I do at the end of the month and then I'll be generous. When the scriptures clearly say, seek first the kingdom of God. We give sacrificially. Secondly, we said we give cheerfully. That giving is actually worship to God. It's not, it's not some requirement. It's not some rule or legalistic thing that God has got a, a big stick saying, you must give money. No, he says, no, I have given you everything. Now worship me with everything you got, including your wallet. And we say we give out of joy, not out of duty. And thirdly, we give courageously. We give out of faith and not out of fear. We give out of faith that God, that we go to war against this, this, the, the sinful, sin, uh, selfish heart by being generous. This morning, I want to do a simple job, and I'm very excited about this preach. I really am. This has been a revelation for me. Are you guys ready for this? Are you? I don't know. Top left. Steve Vayers, you're right there. There we go. Thank you very much. Top right. You guys are right there. Yes, thank you. There we go. Now we've got, we got the corners. We've got everything we need. This morning, I want to put inside you, I want to move you. I really want to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And I want to say it in this way. I want to convince you that you are, no matter who you are, no matter what your bank account looks like now, no matter what your track record is in the past, I want to tell you, this is who you are. You are a big thinking, faith-filled, Beth the farm risk taker. That's who you are. That's who I am. I'm not going to be disqualified because I came from Zimbabwe and that we, my parents invested, but the co economy collapsed, so we had nothing. We had to flee the country with nothing, so we have to batten down the hatches, and actually, I've got to be careful now with investing. I've got to be careful with generosity because, you know, we've, we've been burnt once. We want to be burnt twice. That's not who I am. I'm a son of Jesus Christ, of the Father, who is lavishly generous and says, actually, if you trust me, what will I, what I'll do? We're big thinking, faithful, bet the farm risk takers. Are you ready to read some scripture? I am. Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. Why don't we stand to our feet? It's going to be five verses in total, the end of Genesis chapter 11, and then the beginning of Genesis chapter 12. This is how Genesis chapter 11 ends. This is the Genesis chapter 11, verse 31 to 32. is the poor cousin of Genesis 12, but we're going to give it a go. The scripture, very quickly, just before we read it, the name Terah, he is the father of Abraham. The, the, the hero of our faith. So let's have a read of this. It says this. One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his, that's his Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, that's his, his, uh, his son Nehiren's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in the Haran. Chapter 12 dawns. Ah. Oh. It's the worst ever. I'm going to have to read it by Scripture. Sorry. Good thing I know where Genesis is. It says this. I apologize. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you this morning as we stand, as we, in, in, a, in a sense this morning, lean into the future. Firstly, with dedications coming. These kids have done nothing to earn a future. But God, we in faith, we say we see their future. And we bless these kids because of what you have called them to. So we thank you, Father. Our posture already is leaning forward into the future. And I pray, God, for all of us this morning, you are moving our hearts to lean into the more of you. I thank you, Father, that we are ready to move. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat this morning? It's a very simple one. We won't be long, hopefully. Two points this morning out of this text. Number one, and this is really profound. Are you ready for it? Genesis chapter 12, what I got out of this here, was that number one, as I read the scripture quite plainly, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. Let me explain it this way. Abraham, as you might not be aware, his track record before this moment that God speaks to him, the first, the chapters preceding this and actually what we know about Abraham is that Abraham was a sun worshiper, not a God worshiper. He was a man who was, a, in, in, our, in our culture today, he was a man who would go and, and seek his religious fortunes on the mountain by the, what the sun was doing on that day. He was a sun worshiper. His dad, Terah, was an idol maker. His dad made idols for other religions. This is the pedigree, the spiritual pedigree, pedigree of Abram. His family had settled in Haran. I, I don't notice that. In, in chapter 11, verse 30 to 31, Terah took his family. They, head, they take his family and said, we're heading to Canaan, the promised land. And it says they stopped, though, in Haran and settled there. Now, that might just skip by. It might be just a little end of liner, just, just a little one verse preceding chapter 12, the big one. But here's the understanding for me and you this morning is that Haran means parched, parched, thirsty. Haran, as we look at the geography of the the area, Haran was a very unfruitful agricultural place. It was not a great place to stop. They had their eyes on Canaan, the promised land, Canaan, the promise of God, and they settled for parched, and they settled there. I want to tell you, Abraham's family, in every sense of the word, has just settled. Their dad makes idols. He's a sun worshiper. And finally, Abraham has no kids. Him and his wife, Sarah, have no kids. And in that community, if you didn't have kids, that meant your family didn't have a future. And the years were ticking by in Haran, in the unfruitful parched land, and no kids were coming. This was a guy, in every sense of the word, written off from future blessing of God by his behavior, by what his dad had done, by where they were living, by the, 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 the biology that was going on with him and his wife, not much, no blessing from God. That's the actual, if you did the equation. But chapter 12 comes into the story, and God's first words to Abraham is this, I will bless you. And Abraham hadn't sneezed. I want to tell you, this wasn't a God who was coming with some sentiment. This wasn't a God who came and said, Abraham, we need to chat here. Some of a few things I want you to change for his No, He comes into Abraham's story and says, Abraham, I want to bless you. I want to tell you this morning, God is a generous father and not a banker or a hardline accountant. I want to break something in our hearts because I think for too long I believe that God is has got, he's up there and he's got a pen and he's counting things for me, one for you, one against you, one for you, one against you. That is not who he is. He says he remembers our sins no more. It says that he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He is a generous father from page one to the end. He has been given. 
He has been giving towards us. I want to tell you, he's not angry. He's not holding out on you. Because in Genesis chapter 1, the first page of my Bible, the story starts with God saying, he blessed man and said to him, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. It's yours. That doesn't sound like a tight-fisted boss who's holding out on you and, and holding you up to, to some sort of calculator or some sort of standard saying, will you meet the requirements before I bless you? Bosses give salaries, but God the Father gives inheritance. And inheritance, he speaks firstly before Abraham has done anything. It says, I want to bless you. I want to tell you this is huge for you and I because we're not trying to twist the arm of a reluctant father. I think that's where theology, when we're preaching on generosity, goes awry. Too many churches set up generosity, firebrand preachers who are trying to, and it's not all wrong, it's just gone twisted because actually if you start anywhere but the generosity of a father, you're going to start with He's a jukebox, and if I give this much, and how much must I give, and how regularly must I give, and then God will do that. He's not in response to us. He's responding to his nature. He's generous. I want you to know that. We start, good theology always starts with what is God like, and then we respond. We don't say, what do I need to do, and then try and get there. Just helpful, okay? Helpful for me. His arm, he's not trying to twist God's arm. I want to tell you his arms have always been outstretched towards you. The pinnacle of our faith is this. God so loved the world that he gave. And not gave his leftovers or gave his spare change. Sorry, I've got nothing. Oh, I've got, a, oh, I've got something. Sorry, sorry, sorry. As the security guard says something, and you're, oh, sorry, I've got nothing for you today. And you find something in your ashtray. No, no, no. He didn't love you that and gave you his leftovers or sparingly or out of a surplus. He gave his only son, his best. He is generous from start to finish. And at the height of sacrifice, his arm wasn't going, ah, this is a tough one. He was giving. This is the father that we serve. I want to tell you, maybe you're sitting here and you say, I've messed up too bad. I've messed up too bad. I want to tell you again, the way we break the cycle is to know that you're a son, not a survivor. You're a son or a daughter, not a survivor. Because this morning as I'm preparing this, uh, this week, I've, I want to tell you that I think many of us have been living in parched, parched, thirsty, half-hearted, not fully engaging with the promise of God for way too long. You've settled for it's good enough. It's good enough. In your marriages, you say it's good enough. In your families, you say it's good enough. In your giftings, you say it's good enough. In your business, you say it's good enough. And yes, even in your finances, you've settled and you say it's good enough. And I tell you, I don't serve a God of good enough. I serve a God of the how much more. A God who's generous and who says, if fathers on earth give good gifts, how much more our heavenly father? So I want to tell you this and put this in your heart that God wants to bless you. Second point this morning as we push on is that God wants to bless through you. That scripture says, Abraham, I want to bless you so that. In my Bible, I've always underlined the so that of God. God is always on an agenda because you and I are not the end. He is so in love with us that he will not let us become the center of our worlds because it's way too small. You've all seen it. When a child becomes a center of the world, the family gets very small. It's all about him and her and her. And God says, I'm not going to do that to you because the world of the generous gets bigger, not smaller. 
So he says, I want to bless through you so that, and why does he do this? To Abraham, a guy who's stuck in a parched land, Haran, who was just so, so far away from the promise of God, which is so, he is so, so apparently far away from making any spiritual impact on the world. Take away spiritual, any impact on the world. He's got no son, he's got no heir to it. And when he dies in the biology of the day, his family's done. This guy's in a parched land, but God says to him, I want to bless you so that all nations will be blessed through you. Now, I want to tell you this stuff, as I read these scriptures, this shakes my heart to the core, that these are, these are not God using hyperbole. This is not God going, let me try and puff up Abraham. He says, Abraham, through you, me, do you know where I am? Do you know my circumstances? Do you know, what's, do you know what little is going for me? Yes, through you, all nations are going to be blessed all nations. This is massive. And I love what God is saying here. God is saying, Abraham, I'm going to partner with you in shaping the future. This is God in this moment giving Abraham authority. He is saying, Abraham, I want to bless you. Many of us go, thank you, Lord. I'll take that. Who wants some blessing? Yeah, me, me. You're all getting blessed. Oprah, under your seat, you've got a blessing. You've got a blessing. We all want that. But then he says, Abraham, but that's too small. That's too small, my boy. I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. All nations will be blessed from you because of you. And I'm going to partner with you in shaping what that looks like. We've got authority. You and me, boy. The elephant to the end. We're going to do this thing together. He's like, I'm in God. And I want to tell you, if I'm honest, my response has way too often been to this invitation of God saying, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing is this. If I'm being dead honest with you this morning, I say, God, bless me and then I will be the blessing. I promise you. Just like my grand, when I, I will do it. I promise you. Am I the only one? God, I like that. I love chapter 12. God, yes, you're going to bless me. Good. So that, yes, I long for that day. But waiting for the blessing. Give me the blessing, God. Any moment now. Any moment now. Here is the understanding is that God is changing where we are operating from. He is taking us from operating from our parched to the promise. He's taking us from our survivor mentality to the sonship mentality. And this is the change. This is our implication, and this is all I'm trying to get to this morning. The implication is on the screen behind me. Can you step out before you see it? Can you step out before you see it? Abraham could. God says to him, I want to bless you. And I want to bless through you. So verse 4, if you go and read a little bit further, it says, So Abraham left. Because God said, I want to bless you, so you've got to leave where, you have, where you've been. You've got to leave parched, and you've got to go to promise. You've got to leave survivor, and you've got to go to son. And he goes, and if you do that, then I'm going to bless you, because you're now responding from a different place, not from where you've been, but where you're going. I want to bless you, and I want to bless through you, but you've got to move. And verse 4 says, So Abraham left. He moved. It's just this profound little line. So Abraham moved. It's like, okay, cool. He took God at his word and he moved. Hebrews 11 says it this way and a little bit more poetically. Verse 8 and 9 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Boom. Abraham went out. Where are you going? Not too sure. But God's told me to move. 
I'm moving that way. God's told me to move. He went out not knowing where he was going. I want to tell you, I often say, do it, God, and then I will step out. When you provide, then I will step out. That's not how faith works. Faith is stepping out before you see it. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance, assurance of things hoped for, the evidence or the conviction of things not yet seen. Here's the understanding. A survivor says, show it. Show it. Show me the blessing. Show it. And then I'll sow it. When a son says, I'll sow it, knowing that once I do that, you'll show it. Let me say that again because it rhymes. Must, must be good. Show it and then I'll sow it. That's our nature, our flesh. The survivor says, show it, God. Show me the provision. Show me the increase. Show me the, the more time. Show me the more energy. Show me this thing. and Show me the future I'm going to. And then I'll be faithful and sow. But faith and sonship and, and actually understanding the promise of God says, actually, I'm going to sow knowing that then you'll, you'll show. A survivor thinks here and now, a son thinks generational blessing. A survivor says, how can I make Haran parched feel a little bit better? Maybe get a few water coolers, a few air cons in here, just keep it nice and just make parched a little bit better. When God says, no, 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 son, you think generationally. You're going to break what has happened here. You're going to break camp. You're going to move to something better. And I want to help us here. I'm going to get practical now. Here are three stories for you which illustrate this for me. And it's not just, it's generosity of heart in every level. Years ago, when I was a 15-year-old insecure little boy who uh, moved to Durban from Zimbabwe on the back of uh, a politically and financially devastating situation, moved to, to, to Durban, I, I was ashamed of my red hair. I know, it's a shock, it's a horror. Why would you do that? I dyed it black. I just wanted to hide. I just wanted to just blend in with the crowd. And uh, I arrived at this, uh, this, this youth group. I didn't have many mates at school. I went to a youth group. I didn't really fit in straight away there. And an older guy, I was 15, a guy who was 19, who had just got his first girlfriend. This guy called Michael Saliers, just got his first girlfriend. He had just got his first job and he got been given a company car. Ooh, he was living the dream. Everything was going well for him. And then I walk into the youth and he sees me and he sees me with no friends, no real uh, identity in a, in a battle and not much going on. I was in a very parched place. Thirsty, desperate for something, but not knowing how I could break out of this thing. And this guy, Michael, walks across and he says, hey, my name's Michael. Introduces himself to me and says to this 15-year-old boy, awkward conversation. It's not really flowing. And says, what do you do for fun? And I said, I play golf. That's what I did. I play golf. And Michael says, so do I, which in retrospect I've learned was a lie. Well, it was truthful because he had just decided in that moment he played golf. I do as well. Michael went out the next morning with one of his first paychecks, one of the first few months' paychecks. He went and bought golf clubs. He went and bought golf clubs. He went to the driving range, learned and phoned me a week later and said, let's go play. And I got to the first tee and I realized very quickly that he had been lying. He wasn't great. But we played golf, and he started to play golf weekly, and he would drive across town with his petrol, with his expense, with his time, when everything else for a young 19-year-old would be, actually, don't waste your afternoon doing this. Don't waste your Saturday doing this. He will drive there, and we became really good friends, and he took up golf to draw me in and draw me out of this insecure, lonely space. I want to tell you this. I thank God. You, you probably will never hear the man Michael Silias preach. You probably will never hear his name mentioned anywhere else except here. 
But I want to tell you, I don't think it's a, a too far a leap or an exaggeration to, to say I thank God for Michael Saliers stepping out even though he didn't see anything of value in me. He saw nothing in me or in that moment, I promise you, that determined what it would look like what my future would be. I was shy. I was wilting back. I was, I was struggling with depression and addiction. I didn't know how to, where to turn. But Michael says, says that's worth investing in. I'll sow it even though God hasn't shown it yet. And I'm so grateful. Can I be honest? I don't want to be uh, dramatic for anything, but I promise you I would not be here preaching to you this morning if it wasn't for Michael Sillias. There's a man who's, I don't know, maybe he didn't have this metric in his head. Maybe he didn't think it way this through. But something can I tell you, consistent generosity starts to develop this habit in us. And we start stepping out like this without having to work it out. Because this is what we do. It's not some science. This is what we do. I want to tell you another story. My parents called Rowan and Sue. I wrote down Rowan and Sue. I could have written mom and dad, but I wrote Rowan and Sue. I thought it was more helpful. Rowan and Sue. Uh, there came a moment about a year later in my journey, and, uh, and I was secretly battling with, battling with this addiction, a lust addiction, pornography, the secret shame of, of, of Christian homes everywhere. And I thought, I, I can't ever let anyone know this. And, uh, and, I, and there, there was a moment that came. My family were living in granny cottages, uh, got granny flats behind people's homes because we had lost financially big time. And, uh, and it was a, quite a low still, but trying to find our feet in this journey. And uh, there came a moment where a, a trip was announced, a, a mission trip to the Congo, to the Democratic Republic of Congo. They said a team are going there for five weeks and it's over the school holidays and it's going to cost this amount of money to go. Who's going to go? And I thought, yes, that would be fun to go. I think, I think it'll be good. But I thought, it's, financially, it'll never be able to happen. My mom and dad told them this and they were like, I was like, yeah, I'll do, that'll be good. They said, would you, like, like to, would you like to go on that? I said, I'd love that. But you know, no pressure, mom and dad. I understand. It's cool. And they're like, okay, cool. Weeks went by nothing was said. Until my parents came and said, actually, we've paid for you to go. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. How did that happen? I didn't really think about it until a little while later I realized that our, the second little car that we had purchased to get from A to B was no longer there because my mom and dad had sold it. They had sold our car so that I could go to the Congo. I want to tell you something. At that age, at 16, I did not actually comprehend what had happened. I was like, that's cool. Thanks. A little bit not there, a little bit selfish, me, my, me, my, my, my. It's all about me. But I tell you, I went for five weeks, and I tell you, on that trip, I don't want to be dramatic again, but it was on that trip that God spoke to me. Dramatic futures, gave demand radical obedience. Radical futures demand radical obedience. And it was on that moment that I came back, I confessed addictions, God broke things in me, opened up a future that I believe would not have been there unless Sue and Rowan had opened their hands and said, we're going to sell something that's, that we need, we're going to sacrifice for the sake of his future. They sowed, even though in that moment, there was no showing. They sowed no matter what was being shown. And I want to tell you, I'm so grateful for Ron and Sue, for Michael Silius for stepping out. Another moment came years later when I'd been here. I'd met my beautiful wife, Fiona. We were going to get married, and, I, and, and we were having this wedding, and God was providing. But the honeymoon was coming, and I was trying to save up for this honeymoon, you know. The spare sense in the end of the month of going in and trying her best. I'm going, I want to, you've seen her. She's amazing. She deserves an amazing honeymoon. I want it, but, but, but my, what my salary was saying was not. But I want to tell you the incredible thing, and this is, again, no manipulations, but from a young age, because of what, what I, I knew, this is what we do. Even though I had small salaries, every beginning of the month, I'd take the first 10% of my salary every month, and I would give it to God. 
I'd give it, sow it into the local church. I'd sow it, not knowing what it was being used for, not knowing what, hey, give me a plan of how that money's going. I was sowing it in faith, saying, God, I'm sowing even though you're not showing yet. Did that, did that, did it faithfully. And I remember in the times leading up to that honeymoon going, if I just this month hold back the 10% and I put it into the savings, the honeymoon will be cool. I'm just being honest. This is my rationale. You know, just, and God, you know, you want to bless me, God, and this is part of the blessing, surely. So we try to short-circuit God's plan because we think he's a, a banker or an accountant that needs our help in this situation. No, he doesn't need our help. He needs our trust. That's a great phrase. I should write that one down. He doesn't need our help. He needs our trust. Will you trust me? And I remember the wrestle, but actually going, but this is what we do. I give consistently. Even though it hurts, even though I wish I, my logic says I could make it go further, I'm going to keep sowing even though I can't show what it's, what's going to be. Two days before our uh, wedding, and we had meager savings and just been able to get something that was all right uh, uh, in plan, met with the guy who was going to marry us, and he said, how can I serve you for your wedding? And we said, hey, we'd love you just to preach the gospel. We've got family, unsaved family, friends coming. Please preach it. We'd love them to know about this great God we serve. That's all we ask you. And he says, that's great. I will do that. And he says, but actually I want to do something else for you as well. And he pulled out an envelope from his back pocket. He said, my dad, on the day before I got married, gave me an envelope full of cash. And I'll tell you, it was a large, large amount of money. And he said, and I want to do it as a dad, sowing into your future, saying, we're proud of you. I started to cry at the table. Cry, because I suddenly was going, am I going to be able to say, is this for your honeymoon? Bless your wife. Spoil her. And I started weeping. I started weeping. And I tell you, God's not a, a God of quid pro quo. You did this, so I'll do that. But he's saying, actually, trust me with a little, and how much more will I do? He's not a jukebox. He's not a formula saying, okay, he gave this much, so I'm going to give. How much is the rate? 2% Holy Spirit? 2.4? Cool. No, he's not doing the maths. He's a God who says, I own, a th- the, I own it all. I've got resources, abundance. He's never in recession. He always wants to bless, and he says, I want to bless you. Will you trust me? I want to tell you in this moment, I thank God for these, this journey, because not just about me, I want to tell you. That this is not just in the here and now. This is what we do. Andrea's funeral. I said that she passed away this week, uh, a week and a half ago. We had the funeral on Wednesday. And uh, it was the most incredible moment for me. Because a community had caught, this is what we do. A moment of a funeral came for a girl. And the hall was full. And at the end of the meeting, we opened the doors. And our community, the, this whole community and the table of community, had bought cakes upon cakes upon cakes and I know some of the ladies who bought cakes. I know the financial situation. They could not afford that, that extravagant expenditure at this time of the month. They couldn't have done it, but they bought and they went all out to, they said, actually, because this is what we do. We are generous. We want to host people well so that they can hear the gospel and actually know that Jesus Christ is still Lord in this mess. The gospel is preached. People were dumbfounded. As the gospel in this moment, because the community responded, this is what we do. We're going to show the generosity of the Father. When everybody in this moment is questioning, is he really generous? Because he took our friend. A community responded saying, yes, he is. He is more than enough. And they, sh- they sowed in this moment. I want to tell you, we are sitting here because years ago, 2004, 2005, a community called Life Changers, who were 70 people in size at that time, they, they sowed finances, they sowed timeshare, they sowed uh, jewelry, they sowed whatever they could, and they purchased a table view facility, 70 people, paid for it, debt-free after that moment. Why? Because they said, actually, we don't know. We don't know the, the, the people who are yet to come, but we're going to sow even though God hasn't shown yet. 
And I thank God because I came after that. And my family, my daughter is going to grow up in this community that loves. And that if I ask, we polled you, I think possibly one or two were part of that 70. But the vast majority of us paid no price for that building, paid no price for this, but of stepping into the fruitfulness that God has laid up because a community said, this is what we do. We sow even though we don't know yet. And I want to call us, I think there's something in us, that there's a, a phrase that we've been banding about, the redemptive potential of our togetherness. That God has brought us together. He wants to bless us individually. I promise you that. He wants to break the cycle in marriages. He wants to break the cycle in businesses and finances. I believe that. He wants to bring freedom. But I believe the so that is even bigger. He wants to bless you and your family so that in this community, we can show the city something profound. I believe from this community of faith that we are going to be a this is what we do people. That generosity is not going to be something that we just need to drum up once a year to think this is going to be something that leaks out of us. And I want to say this as a, as a preemptive. We are already a very generous people. I want to thank you. We're not preaching this series because we are in lack. We're not preaching this series because we need more money. God has been very generous and very kind through the people of Life Changes. I just say there's more. For you and for our future and for our city. We say it again and again. We're not trying to be the best church in the city. We want to be the best church for the city. Now I want to tell you this is not natural. It doesn't make sense, this, this understanding of give, sow, and watch what God will do. But I want to tell you we are not maintainers. We're sons and daughters of the God who's a multiplier. God doesn't just add, He multiplies. I don't know this principle. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Says to the disciples, you feed them. They go, we've got nothing. Okay, get that boy's lunch. Two fish, five loaves. Jesus says, bring it to me. So bring their meager, small thing. But, but if we break it up really small, we can have communion together, all of us, Jesus. No, 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 don't break it up. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Don't go to your strategy. Bring it to me. And two fish, five loaves, Jesus says, he gave thanks. He broke it. And he gives it back to him. He says, you hand it out. You feed them. And the scripture, I love in that story. We, I, we all love that story characterized in, in, in children's church. But actually the amazing thing is, is as they were handing it out, it was multiplied. It wasn't Jesus said, bring it here, David Blaine. Banquet. Ta-da. No, no. He said, I want to bless you, but I'm going to bless through you. Gave them authority to partner with him in feeding the, the future. Partner. I'm going to partner with you. And as they did it, as they sowed, can you imagine going, huh, I've got a really small portion. I'm going to look stupid by row two here. You get a fish, and that's it. But can you imagine? They're going, you, why, why the heck is this not running out? It said they had 12 basketfuls left over. He's not a God of just enough. He's more than enough. I want to tell you, this is who my Father is. And I want to tell you, it's not what's in your hands. It's what passes through your hands. If you want to know how rich am I, it's not what you've got in your hands now. It's what passes through your hands. I'd write that down, Leanne, if, if I were you. That's a good one. And here's my final one that you might want to write down as well. I believe this with every fiber in my being, that if God can get money through you, he'll get money to you. Let me say it again. If God can get money and resource through you, he'll get money to you. How do I know this? The principle, if you're faithful with the little, you'll be faithful with much. He'll give you more. It's his nature. It's not, it's not that he's now trying to be a jukebox. No, no, no. He's just saying, actually, I can trust you to partner with me. And I'll pour more resources and watch what I can do with you. If God can get money through you, he'll get money to you. Here's my last thing as I land. Can you step out before you see it? I think not many of us are farmers, but I, I wish we were because I think we'd get this understanding much quicker. 
Farmers every year go out and they plant seeds. And then they wait. I pray the rain is going to come. I pray the rain is going to come. Or I'm under the cosh here. And otherwise, we've spent a lot of expenditure. But every year, farmers in faith sow seed and then wait. And wait. And then the harvest comes. And can I tell you the amazing thing? If I was a farmer, probably the harvest would come out. Chow it all. No, 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 no. It says, actually, now get the seeds again. So next year, you've got a crop for next year. And sow again, and sow again, and sow again, and sow again. And this is our future together because this is my understanding that if we are sowing seeds today tomorrow people will be climbing those trees sounds silly but there's a story in the scriptures of a man named Zacchaeus and Jesus came to town and Zacchaeus was a short wee little man that's how the song goes a wee little man was he and Zacchaeus the crowd were present around Jesus and Zacchaeus could not see Jesus because of his size so what did Zacchaeus do he climbed a sycamore tree he climbed a tree to the top, and as I was reading this, and as he got to the top of the tree, he saw Jesus, Jesus saw him, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down, I want to come to your house. And the story ends with salvation coming to that man's house. Here's the thing, somebody had to plant that seed for a tree years ago before. And I wonder what was in their mind. I'm planting a tree, little did they know they were planting a tree, there'll be the salvation of, a young, of another man named Zacchaeus. It's just a concept I'm just grappling with saying, God, would we be a community that sows seeds for future, future harvest? Would we be a community that sows seeds for future harvest? Would we be a community like Michael Sillias who sow time, energy, resources? Would we be a, a community like Ronan and Sue who sell things at radical expense to set people free, to set people on trips, to, to support families when we at our own expense? Would we be families like a uh, uh, Rory Dyer, who gave me the money, the check, the, the cash before my wedding, who, who's, who say, actually, I want to represent the father to you. You've acted like a survivor. I want to show you that you're a son. So here, would we be a community that's so like that for future, not just for the here and now? I want to pray. And I believe, I pray there's faith in, in your heart. There's faith in my heart because I want this for my family. I want this for us. Two things this morning. Well, first thing, I want to pray it this way. I want to firstly pray for businesses. I faith for this. I've worked in the church my whole life. Never, never a day in businesses except for second, a week when I worked for Second Chance Golf Balls. And I counted golf balls. It's my, my business knowledge. So I got paid 17 rand an hour. So profitable week. But I've got faith for businesses here. If you are in business and you're saying, actually, my business, I want my business to be a so that business. A business that is, God, I'm saying, God, you've been praying for years. God, bless our business. You've been praying that prayer, which is not a bad prayer because God wants to bless it. But God says, actually, it's too small a prayer. Will you pray for your business? God, I want you to bless my business so that I can be a blessing through it. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. If you're saying, actually, I want to take faith steps in that journey. I want to pray that prayer, but I also want to take faith steps in that journey. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm not putting any pressure on you to be specific. But if you are in business or you own a business or you're starting a business or there's a desire to start a business, I'd love to pray for you quickly. Could you stand to your feet if you have faith for that? Father, I pray for these people and businesses right now, God, as a community. We thank you for the fact that you are the, you say in your word that you give us the ability to create wealth. God, we do not want to con ourselves for a second thinking that we have done this or our cleverness or our ingenuity does. You are the provider. 
But Father, I pray right now, as people stand in faith, their prayer today changes from God bless my business to saying God bless my business so that it can be a blessing for you. I pray right now over every single business owner, every bus- uh, potential business over every person who, who is engaging with business on any level, I pray God put the so that in their heart. Put the so that in their heart and watch what you will do, God. I thank you, Father God. Give them strategy even now, even a, a faith step of, of sacrifice that says actually that's what we're gonna do as a people. That's the seed we're gonna sow. Would you move hearts, God, so that businesses can start to boom for your kingdom and your glory? I thank you, Father God, that there's a how much more over every business. Even where businesses have struggled for a while, I pray the how much more. I pray, God, you're breaking survivor status over businesses and putting sons in there. Where businesses have been parched, you're saying there's a promise of your business. I thank you, Father God. I thank you, God, for, for even right now, I thank you, God, for Inga Stain's business, God, for, for the, you gave the word. That you, she spoke the name of the company to her. She's acting in faith, and now she's reaching out to other and giving clients to other businesses in need. I thank you, God, for that heart. I pray, God, now would you release more? Would you release more? I thank you, Father God. You're saying this is not a season for smallness. This is not a season for safety. This is a season to trust me. I thank you for that. You can stay standing if you want or sit, but the last thing I think for all of us, and this is where I jump up first and foremost, if you're saying my heart in, in this thing of being a generous person with finances, with time, with energy, with, with my emotions, I want to be a generous person, there has to be a move. And the move is this, you're moving from parched to the promise. I'm moving from this is good enough to I'm moving to God, I'm trusting you. I'm moving from survivor and trying to make it through the day and the month to actually God, I'm moving to a son who's gonna trust you for inheritance. If that's you and you wanna make that move, I'd love you to join these business guys by standing. Join me by standing. I believe God wants us to move today. Father, I thank you, God, for your sons and daughters here. I thank you, Jesus, that you are doing something in our heart that's not about, about, it's not about smallness. It's not about us trying to get a, a good theology on, on generosity. God, no, it's us saying we want to see our dad and we want to respond to him. That's the simplicity of our faith, God, and you're coming into our situation. I thank you, Father, you're walking into parched stories here. We're parched sexuality. We maybe our sexuality has become parched, and we feel that we've, we've given away too much with that. And actually, God, in a world where we're supposed to be financially generous and sexually stingy, we've become sexually generous and financially stingy. I pray, Father God, you're changing, the, you're changing the methodology of our heart, God, where we relationally have become parched, where we are emotionally parched, where our marriage is parched, where our, our businesses, our finances, our, our lives, feel, our spiritual lives feel parched. God, today there's a move where you step into our story and say, I want to bless you. I want to bless you so that you'll be a blessing. And there's authority becoming, and you're saying, I want to partner with you in this story, but you have to make a move. I thank you, Father God, that every single story will not, doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be like bells and whistles. It just has to be a step of faith. God, I pray would you put a step of faith on every single heart today to step from parts to promise, step from survivor to son. God, if that is saying I'm gonna make a commitment to start giving consistently to the kingdom of God. If that's a commitment to say I'm gonna start serving. If that's a, if that's a commitment that I'm gonna start uh, honoring my wife. If that's a commitment I'm gonna actually just, I don't know what to do, I'm just gonna come for prayer and ask someone to pray for me. God, whatever that step is, no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, I thank you God that it will be marked by faith in you.
not in a system, not in a formula, but in the provider. You are a generous father, and you're breaking cycles right now. I thank you, God. You're breaking survivor cycles. You're breaking just the, the stronghold of, of lack. You're breaking the stronghold of just, uh, just subsistence farming. I'm just going to make enough for me. No, 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 God. You're putting in a bigness. We are your Abrahamic people. Abraham was a father, and he had many sons. I thank you, Father God, that even in that, we have a greater father, greater Abraham, named Jesus Christ who has brought many sons to glory. And God, I thank you, redeeming people from lack, from parched, putting them in promise. We trust you for this. We trust you for this in Jesus' name.